Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. Well, today I've I've asked Pastor Aaron to preach. Now, here's the story behind it. I've kind of many of you guys were not here in second and third service last week because I wasn't feeling well. We actually played the video from first service for the second and third last week, and then this week I've just kind of just needed to get a lot of rest this week. And last week, as I was preaching, here's the backstory. Last week, as I was preaching, instead of listening to me preach, Pastor Aaron was getting a message, and he was writing down a bunch of notes of all this message God was downloading in his heart, and so. So I sprung this on to him today and asked if he would preach this message. Would you guys give Pastor Aaron a big hand as he comes to preach this morning? All right. Well, what I want to do first is pray um, because uh, not only was Pastor Sean uh, fighting uh, some of this last week, I know there are a lot of people all through uh, Journey Church that have been fighting this or something similar to this. I, I keep hearing about this. And, you know, we are the body of Christ. Amen? Amen? I mean, Jesus paid a price, a heavy, horrible price that we shouldn't have to put up with this kind of a thing. And so as the body of Christ, I just want to pray right now and speak life together if you would do that with me. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, God that you have paid the price for our healing and our health. We thank you, Jesus, that there is no one more interested in our health than you because you're the one that's invested in it. You're the one that's paid the price for it. You're the one that shed blood for it. And so we believe that we have a legal right to repel sickness. And so in the name of Jesus, we speak to every virus. We speak to every infection. We speak to every sickness that would come upon us right now. And we say no in Jesus' name. And we command it to go in the name of Jesus. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, as Pastor Sean uh, mentioned, um, that's what was happening last week. And just to be really perfectly honest and transparent with you, um, a lot of times when he asks me to speak, um, what I am speaking on is something that I felt like I heard from the Lord while he was speaking something else. And so that's why it's so good that we have multiple services, because I can come back later and hear what he was actually saying uh, the next time. But yeah, last week during first service, as Pastor Sean was speaking, he was talking about, you guys remember the four chairs and uh, the four things that God uh, does with bread and the four levels of water. It was such a good message, but God was speaking to me something. And uh, so this is a little different here today. And I just want to ask you to kind of bear with me because this is less like a sermon and more just like a word that I want to share with you. And so it's maybe, especially as the first service and the first time uh, that I'm doing this today, it's maybe not got as much polish on it, but it's fresh. And let me ask you this, how many would, would prefer a fresh piece of fruit to a polished piece of fruit? <laughs> okay, so uh, just bear with me here. But um, uh, what, what I want to talk about is... Uh, how we understand grace, okay? 
because I think as I talk to people and, and, you know, not only as a pastor, but just as a Christian, as I talk to people and I hear about things that people are facing in their life um, that are hard things, I keep going back to this idea that maybe we don't really understand grace. We think we understand grace, you know, and, and maybe we partially understand grace, but I don't think many of us fully understand grace and what it means and how it affects us and how it changes things. Because I think that we live in a climate where grace in the church world is often preached and sung about and talked about and written about. But even with all of this out there on grace right now, uh, there is still a mixture of the idea of law and works and what I do to earn grace. And see, if you're thinking that you earn grace, then right there, you don't understand grace. And so what I want to do today is, is, is relate back to you something that a picture that uh, God showed me last Sunday um, while Pastor Sean was preaching. So um, I have some illustrations. And uh, if you're not a um, super awesome, experienced public speaker, props and illustrations are the way to go. <laughs> just telling you. Okay, so, so what I have here is just a clear container, all right? And so this clear container, uh, I'm going to say it represents our body, okay? It doesn't represent all of us. It represents our body, okay? It can, it can contain something. Now, I can put a lot of different things in this container. I can put water in here. I can put juice in here. I could put Coke in here. I could put poison in here. I could put gasoline in here. There's all sorts of things that I could put in this container. And the appearance of the container itself, just the actual glass container, doesn't necessarily change. But what it's, what it's carrying is what's changing. And so I want to represent our bodies as this container. Now, so let's go back to the beginning. Um, in Genesis, when we, he, when we read about how God created the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and all the stuff, and then God formed man from the dust of the, of the earth, and so we have this container that was formed. And then, do you remember what God did after he formed man? He breathed into man. Okay, so I'm going to, just for the sake of analogy here, pour water into this container. And so God breathes into man a living spirit, okay? And so now you have man, and we'll just say... For the sake of argument, you have Adam and Eve, you know, man and woman, human, mankind, whatever, right here. And you also have God. And so God gets to be the one with the red juice in it. You get it, communion, blood of Jesus, all that, right? So we have the garden where God and man are together, right? 
I mean, Genesis talks about how uh, God came walking in the cool of the evening looking for Adam. And so we have this idea uh, presented to us that, that Adam or that man and God enjoyed a unity, a relationship, a closeness in the garden. And everything was great until the serpent comes along. You know the story. We don't have to get into it. He talks Eve into eating of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. She's not supposed to do that. She does it. She takes it to Adam. He eats. They sin. And so what happens is sin enters, okay? So now what was once pure and clear gets something mixed into it that's not pure and clear. So... What we have here now is something new that was never intended to be. So we used to have this nice, clear container with this nice, clear, pure, living spirit in the container, and then sin entered, right? And what was done could not be undone. Now, all of you science people... Yes, I could pour this water in a filter and make it water. Forget all that. This is just an analogy, okay? What, what was done in the garden in Genesis could not be undone. The egg could not be unscrambled. And so this now is what man looks like. So sin and actually death entered. And because that happened, this stopped happening. And no longer does man walk with God. But he starts his painful journey of thousands of years of the law, where he tries to work his way to God, to get his sins covered. And so the interesting thing here is, um, I believe it's Revelation, let me find myself in my notes here. Yeah, Revelations 13, 8. Jesus is referred to as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Think about what that means. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty incredible. Jesus was the lamb slain from before the world was built, was made, was created. What that means is this, Jesus, who God, the, the, the Bible says that God used the, Jesus, the word, to create the world. Jesus had to agree to die for a people, a species, a creation that hadn't even yet been created. So before Adam was formed, Jesus knew that he was going to be paying the price for the sin that came in. And so God looks at the sin of humanity. He looks at the separation. He looks at the uh, current state of affairs. And he says, I know that this can't be undone, but God's got a plan, right? And so Jesus comes as a man, 
to restore that relationship. But you know the price, right? I mean, you know what it costs to make that happen. Jesus couldn't just come and say, uh, don't worry about it. Hey, what's done is done. We're just going to say it's all good. No, this could not be undone. And so the only way for the perfect, spotless Lamb of God to take care of this was to allow this to be put into him like this. So that now our sin, which we earned, gets mingled with the perfect Lamb of God who did not earn it. And and the price was paid for our sin. And so, you know what happens on the cross then. Jesus, with our sin in tow, empties himself. I'm pouring this out, by the way. And dies on the cross. And our sin's gone too. And uh, so, praise God that happened. Praise God he took our sin and yeah, amen. But that's not the end, is it? The cross is not the end. We know that. And so Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus is back. He's got victory over death and hell and sin. And if we, according to what the Bible says, if we choose to believe in our hearts that he's the son of God and we confess with our mouth that he's the son of God, then we are made clean. Amen? So look, here we are. It looks like we're back again, right? Now, this is what I want to kind of deal with today. Uh, Because I think this is where most people, not any of you guys, I know, but everybody else, uh, this is where I think a lot of people believe we stand right now, okay? So what's happened? Jesus took our sin. We get that, right? He went to the cross and he died on the cross. We get that, poured out his life uh, as a sacrifice. He rose from the dead, victorious over sin, death, and hell. Amen, we get that. And when we believe and receive and confess with our mouth, then we are made clean, and we get that. And it's wonderful, and it's awesome. But what I want to say today is that that's part of the story, but it's not all of the story. And if you stop there, uh, then you're falling short. You're kind of living less than what God intends. It's kind of like... uh, It's kind of like what Pastor Sean was talking about last week, where you have these four levels, right? These four chairs. And uh, it's great to move from the first chair to the second chair. And it's great to move from the second chair to the third chair, but a lot of people seem to get stopped at one of these chairs, and they don't move into the potential and the fullness of God's promises and what God has. So what I think most people believe Uh, that we have here is God restoring the relationship that he had uh, in the garden where he is with 
man. Now, uh, to kind of dig a little deeper into this, I want to uh, I want to talk about a statement that Jesus made um, in Matthew. He he's talking to the disciples and he's talking about John the Baptist, and he says an amazing. He actually says two really amazing things. I mean, really amazing things. If you think about what he says, it's incredible. The first thing that he says is, well, let's, let me just read it, and then we can talk about it. Matthew eleven eleven. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, and so that's a big group, right? Okay. Among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. So he just elevated John the Baptist to an almost impossibly high pedestal. He basically said, John the Baptist is the greatest person that has ever lived. But then he says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than the greatest person that's ever ever lived. Think about that. Think about that. Don't let that just be a verse that comes in one ear and goes out the other. Because as long as we are all confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart and living a renewed life in Jesus, we are all in the kingdom of heaven. And so we are all in that latter category that, John the, that uh, uh, Jesus is talking about. He's talking about us. But we live lives that it's like, that can't be right. That can't be right. But the reason that I think most people believe that is that they believe that here's Jesus, here's us. And you could even say, well, I invited Jesus into my heart, so Jesus is in me. And so we get this idea that inside us is our spirit and Jesus' spirit, kind of like roommates, right? And I've got my individuality, and, and he has his individuality, and we just kind of share uh, a space. But listen to this verse in Galatians uh, 2.20. You've heard it before. I probably use it every time I preach. Uh, I've been crucified with Christ. We saw that. Poured in. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Okay? And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, he doesn't just make you clean. He doesn't just live with you. He mingles his spirit with yours. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says this, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. And if you look up the Greek, that word one means one. It means one in the same. And so it's not that Jesus comes and shares space with us. It's that Jesus actually comes to our spirit and lives with us. 
And something altogether new is created when you're born again that has never existed before. So you know that the Bible says that Jesus is like the firstborn of many brethren. Something new was created when you got born again. Something new happened when Jesus died and rose from the dead. And the reason why Jesus can make the statement that of all people born of women, John the Baptist is the greatest, but the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than him. The reason he can accurately make that statement is that none of those people prior to John the Baptist, including John the Baptist, had this happen. So you have Samson with the strength of the Lord coming upon him and doing mighty things. You have David, who is a man after God's own heart. You've got Moses parting the Red Sea and all of these mighty works uh, that these guys did. And of course, then John the Baptist is, supposed to, is, is greater than all of those guys. But none of those guys had the spirit of the living God mingled with their spirit. And when you begin to understand that that is who you, that's not just what's in you, but that's who you are, then it begins to change the way you see things and the way that you look at things. Now, um, I want to read uh, in Colossians chapter 1. This, this is the mystery that Paul is talking about in Colossians. This is the mystery that Paul pretty much based his whole ministry on. This is what he spread all throughout the region and basically what propelled the spreading of Christianity around the world was this mystery. Um, and it's called a mystery because it was hidden up until the point uh, when Jesus died, rose from the dead, and it began to spread. So listen to this. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 27. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God uh, that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known uh, how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. John chapter 15 talks about how he's the vine and we are the branches. So Jesus, again, is painting this picture that we are all, we're not just joined together, we're really co-mingled, we're a part of the same thing. Um, so this should revolutionize the way you see yourself. This should make a difference. And if it doesn't make a difference, it's either one of two things, okay? Either you already knew that, and you're just sitting there saying, amen, that's right, that's right. Or... You still don't get it. Because if you get it, it makes a difference. 
It changes the way you see things. It changes the way you look at situations and circumstances in your life. When you understand that this is the truth, then you don't speak negatively about yourself. You're not down on yourself. Uh, you, you know, you may be out of shape in your body. You may be a little messed up in your thinking. But you've got to know that in your spirit, you are mingled with the spirit of Almighty God. That is massive. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, for, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Remember when we poured the, the, the guck into the, to the, to the wine, to the juice? When we poured our sin into Jesus, that's what this is talking about. And then after the resurrection, Jesus was poured into our cup. So there was a, there was a transfer that happened, right? We had sin. Jesus had perfect righteousness. He took our sin. He gave us his perfect righteousness. So if you're believing that you're a sinner, a loser, a beggar, that's a lie. That's a lie from the devil's religion department. And that should make you mad because that's a mockery against the blood of Jesus. Now, uh, when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his, of his perfect son. And, you know, you don't deserve it. You can't earn it. There's nothing that you can, there's no amount of praying that you can do. There's no amount of uh, Bible study, fasting, giving to the poor, uh, worship, nothing. There's nothing you can do to earn that. It's called grace. It's a gift. I feel like saying we just need to get over ourselves and just receive it, right? Now, and, and, and you know, think about it this way. Do those of you who have kids, do your kids have to earn your love? Do, do your kids only get your love if, they're, if they, they do the dishes enough times a week or if they're good enough or if their grades are good enough, then they get your love? Of course not. You're not like that. So how much, do you, don't you think that God is a better father than, than we are parents? So this is our reality right here. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Uh, but I want to say there's a bonus, okay? So this is good. This is great. And if you can understand this, then it will change everything. But God has a certain way of blessing us so much that we can't imagine being blessed anymore and then blessing us more. And so there is a bonus here. Now, um, what I'm talking about is what happens when we are filled with or baptized in the Holy Spirit, because that's a separate thing. Now, Luke 24, 49 says this. Actually, I think the last time I spoke, I, I used this right out of the Amplified again. 
but I want to do it again. So Luke 24, 49 says, listen carefully. I am sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you, but you are to remain in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed, fully equipped with power from on high. And listen to this verse. John 14, 12 through 14, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I'm going to my Father. So if you're hearing that, again, (laughs) some of the things that Jesus says are so amazing that we get in danger of just letting it pass right on by. So if you're hearing that, I'm telling you that the things that I do, you're going to do, and greater works than these. And that doesn't just make you stop in your tracks and say, wow, then you're not hearing it. So let that soak in. And then he says, this is going to happen because I go to my father. So why does him going to his father mean that we get to do the things he does in greater works than these? It's because of the verse that we just got done reading. Jesus says, go to Jerusalem. I'm sending you the promise of my Father that you could be clothed, fully equipped with power from on high. So uh, this is why he sent his Holy Spirit to give you the power to do the things he wants to do. And I have not tested this, but I'm just going to do it. So the Holy Spirit is going to be represented by these Alka-Seltzer tablets. It's not a really good uh, one-to-one analogy or anything, but I want to show you what happens. I have no idea what's going to happen. (laughs) So you drop in power... It's better to be fresh than polished. (laughs) More power. (laughs) And with a little bit of your own imagination. (laughs) What happens is the power of God enters into us. Now, we've already been commingled with the Spirit of God. But he endues us or equips us with his power because uh, he's calling us to do things that are beyond what we can do on our own. So you can be transformed and mingled with and joined with the Spirit of God and enjoy all the benefits of that. But you will get to a certain place, if you're really following Jesus... Where, you'll say, where, you, where you will feel a call and a desire to do something for God, for the kingdom of God, to show the love of God to people. And you're going to hit that point where you're overwhelmed. And you're like, I can't do this. Why does God want me to do this? Why doesn't God use somebody else to do this? I'm not talking about going into full-time ministry or anything. I'm talking about even if it's just sharing the gospel with your neighbor who's a really difficult person to deal with. Something is going to come up eventually, that you will feel like you do not have what it takes, and you shouldn't have what it takes, because what God designed us to do 
was to operate in his power and his strength. Because when we do that and we do things that we aren't able to do on our own through his power and his strength, he gets the glory. And that's the way it should be. Uh, and the, the other reason for this is uh, that that filling of power is also a filling of a type of a fire, okay? And I'm not just using that as some kind of religious term. Listen to Matthew 3.11. This, again, this is Jesus talking. Or, no, this is actually John the Baptist talking about Jesus. And he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And Jesus wants to put a fire inside of you. Um, and that's important because uh, Revelations 3, 15 through 16, hold on just a second. Okay. Every single time. <laughs> Revelations three fifteen through 16 says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, you need the fire of the Holy Spirit inside you to keep from becoming lukewarm. Do you know what it means to be lukewarm? Uh, lukewarm just means room temperature. That's all it means. And so it, when you have something that uh, sits in a room long enough, over time, it will assume the temperature of its surroundings, right? So this bottle of water here is uh, still kind of cold because I got it out of the refrigerator. But it's not as cold as it used to be because it's been sitting here in this room. And it's getting closer and closer to the temperature of this room. Now, here's an even better example. I have my Yeti mug with coffee in it, and it's still piping hot because of the wonders of Yeti technology. <laughs> but even in the Yeti mug, if I leave it long enough it will assume the temperature of its surroundings. And uh, I don't have to tell you guys that we live in a world that is a cold place. And you can come in here on Sunday morning and get fired up. And that's great. And that's good. And you should. But if your fire is just from what's happening here, then when you go out into your world throughout the week, you're going to gradually begin to assume the temperature of your surroundings. And you need your own heat source. You need your own fire inside in order to stop that from happening. So uh, this, is what's, this, is, this is what happens, is we get filled with this fire. And people see it. People notice it. When you're carrying this light, this life, this heat with you into a cold world, people will see it. Um, I've used, I've probably used this example before, but back when we were first starting the church and we, we were all working different jobs and stuff, um, where I was working, uh, 
you know, I was working around a lot of rough people. And, you know, I would, from time to time, they would, you know, make fun of me or pick on me because, oh, he's the church guy or, oh, he's the, you know, Jesus guy or whatever because I wouldn't go with them to party and stuff like that. But you know what? Those guys, when everybody else was gone, they would come back to me and say, hey, can you tell me about God? Can you tell me about hell? Can you tell me about Jesus? I had one guy say, so if I bought a Bible, where should I start reading? You know, why were they asking me that? And it's, it's not because I was standing up on chairs and, you know, screaming at them to repent. It's because I was letting the fire in me shine and they saw it and it drew them to me. Everybody's drawn to a fire. How many of you guys came to the bonfire here a few weeks? You want to get around a fire. So being filled with the spirit means that you will burn like a flame in this world And the power and presence and love of God will shine through you. So the calling of God on your life is bigger than you. And you don't have what it takes to fulfill that on your own. You need the power of God uh, in in your life to do the things he's asked you to do. So uh, that's why I want to see you equipped with this. First of all... I want to see you have that revelation that you're not just a miserable sinner saved by grace, barely scratching your way to heaven on, you know, you're not just a prodigal dragging yourself home. No, you were a sinner saved by grace, but now you have been mingled with the spirit of the living God. But then I want to see you, if you don't already have it, I want to see the power of God fill you to be able to do everything he's called you to do. He can give you supernatural wisdom, supernatural peace, supernatural joy. He can cause you to speak life into despair and bring light into darkness. Let's go ahead and have the band come back up. Now, if your spirit is mingled with the Spirit of God, then I want to think about what you carry with you, okay? Think about this. One more little point here. When you pray for somebody to be healed, okay? Uh, If you go home today and somebody's got a cold and you pray for them to be healed, think about this. The same spirit that has ever healed any person in all of history, I mean, any, every hard case, every case of cancer, every case of heart disease, every healing that has ever happened was done by the Spirit of God, and that's the Spirit that's in you. So in your mind, you may be encountering something new, but the Spirit that's in you, it's not anything new to the, to the Spirit of God. Healing is not an event. Healing is a person. And you carry the healer with you. So we've got to be able to change the way that we look at these things. You know, I'm ready to see us uh, start to walk in the perspective and the limitless capacity and power of God. Are you guys ready for that? All right. Amen. Well, let's stand up. And I want to pray one more time. And then we're going to sing one more song. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we want everything that you have for us because we want to do everything that you call us to do. We want to experience all of the peace that you have set aside for us, all of the joy that you give us, all of the power, all of the healing, all of the love. And Lord, we don't just want to soak it in for ourselves. We want to be filled to overflowing, and we want the kingdom of God to be established all around us and spread because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so right now, Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would begin to cause revelation to happen in people throughout this week. I pray that the light would start to turn on, that they would start to see this and understand this. Lord, I pray that those uh, who have not been filled and baptized with your spirit would come and seek that, Lord God. Hallelujah. Lord, we want everything that you have for us, and we seek it and we pursue it in Jesus' name. And as we do this last song, I want to invite our our ministry team to come forward. And if you need prayer for anything, but I want to say especially if you want to be prayed for to be filled with the Spirit or just that uh, you would would ask that God would help you to see this and, and grasp this, we want to pray with you for that. So we're going to do this one last song. If you need prayer, I want to invite you to go ahead and come forward right now. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.